Welcome to Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast brought to you by Star Six Media. We're back from Thanksgiving break. We got Alex back in the studio, Ross on my right. Always a pleasure to have the boys. How was the Thanksgiving break? Man, it was good. Got to spend time with the family, watch football. World Cup started too, so that was yeah. good. You know, as a soccer fan, it was kind of like sports heaven a couple of those days where it's just like from 6 a.m. on. I guess 3 a.m., but I wasn't waking up that early. Oh, well, for anyone that caught last week's episode, they know uh, Ross's opinion of the World Cup, but I can guarantee you, you were watching a little football, weren't you, on Thursday? Yeah, yeah, no, we, uh, we fumble-fucked the start there a little bit, but uh, you said trusty Ross, got me thinking trusty Rusty, and I'm not going to lie, I like that nickname, uh, beats, uh, beats the heck out of Tricky Dick, so I'll take trusty Rusty, trusty Rusty back for uh, back for another slot shot pod, happy to be here, fellas. Pleasure to have you, pleasure to have you. Exciting one here. We're going to talk a few hot teams, um, some TNT slate, and some other stuff. Uh, we got a, a new weekly occurring segment that we will introduce a little bit later. But let's jump into it. Right over the border of the United States, in Toronto, the Maple Leafs have jumped to a five-game winning streak, um, bolstered by you know the talents of, unfortunately, Mitch Marner, Nylander, Matthews, I, you know, most recently, I believe Marner won it for him. I don't know if it was a shootout. Marner's been hot. But uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs seem to be clicking on all cylinders, being uh, the second hottest team in the NHL at this moment. Uh, Alex, what do you got on the, the Maple Leafs so far? Yeah, I mean, so they're, they're looking good. Like, you look at the schedule, there's a whole lot of wins there. In this recent five-game win streak, that includes two on the road in New Jersey and Pittsburgh, um, and Minnesota in there too. But uh, those are two big wins. I mean, you go on the road, New Jersey one of the best teams in hockey right now. That's a big win. Pittsburgh's always tough. Um, this team's really good. I mean, we did talk about this before the year. We are not surprised by this. This is a team that can score in bunches. That pays in the regular season. Mitch Martin's getting going. They got to be happy about that. But uh, I don't know. For me, they're fun to watch. I don't know what I could see in the regular season that would sell me on this team. Well, we, there, there's no... The secret is not short. This team is lacking in the defensive front. They uh, they saw injuries immediately to uh, um, what is it, Jake not Jake Gardner to uh, Muzzin Muzzin and Morgan Riley, and Morgan Riley both down on the IR for long term. Ross, what do you got on this Maple Leafs team? You know, full disclosure: we're recording on a Thursday night. I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm watching the very tail end of this debacle. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm close to a meltdown, but I'm hanging in for the boys and hanging in for the pod and hanging in for the listeners. Uh, Toronto win streak. Four games on the road. They go on a road trip. They sweep the road trip. Uh, it's a kind of galvanizing, you know, time on the road with the team. It's something that can really help pick things up. So not shocking. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, all teams need over the course of a long season. We expect the Leafs. I think all of us pick the Leafs for the playoffs. So this is something that, Frankly, I think is a little kind of par for the course uh, on, a, on, a, on a playoff team of uh, Toronto's caliber. So um, I've heard good things about the defense um, and getting getting some great minutes out of Sandine and uh, Giordano really stepping it up. So that's been positive and, uh, you know, good for all the Toronto fans. And, uh, you know, maybe enough to keep you from suck starting a pistol after that horrible Mac Jones turnover where you should have just thrown it away. So, yeah, I'm hanging in there, boys. Uh, good good trip for the Leafs. Good for the Leafs. Yep. Not shocked. I'm a little bit in the kind of ho-hum category, right? Five-win five win streak for a team that we expect to be in the playoffs. I'm kind of ho-hum. You know, they're, they're going to do that. That's going to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, they went on the road, and they swept uh, four on the road, and then they came home and beat a bad San Jose team on home ice. So, 
I'm a little ho hum about it. No, they, you know, I, I I get it. They're doing what they need to. They're beating the teams they have to, and they're they're staying afloat. They've finally kind of entered the conversation of catching Boston. Now being three points behind them, I know you're shaking your head about it, but uh, you know, like you said, Mitch Marner, 29 points, leading this Toronto team early to start the year. Moving on to probably the most fun team in hockey, uh, probably because they're the team's newest, the league's newest team, the Seattle Kraken, the Crack Attack, a team that uh, has rattled off six straight. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, second place in the Pacific Division, four points behind Vegas. Ross, since uh, I started with Alex, what do you got on the, the Crack Attack? Well, the Crackheads, I mean, you know, they, we, 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 we kind of breezed past them, um, and uh, I think. They're, they're proving to be a pretty formidable team. We talked a lot about their kind of grinders and the depth of grinders they have. Um, I think they've got, you know, they've got a lot of winning hockey players. Um, and so that's starting to show. It's still early in the year, um, but, uh, you know, good for them and, and out to a good start. So I think I, that's all positive news in Seattle. And you, you like to see the, the new markets have a little bit of success to help grow the game, develop the league and all those things. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sold on the Kraken, so I hate to be I hate to be that kind of a downer. Maybe we're getting a little bit of the, you know, um, maybe you're really getting some of the poison from my soul and all this Patriots pending loss to our daddies, the Buffalo Bills now. But uh, my, my point is, on the Kraken, it's good for them. They need this stuff. They need to keep this stuff rolling. I'm still not a believer, um, but they've earned my attention. And much like last week, when I said I'd watch some New Jersey Devils, Kraken have earned, Kraken have earned, at least the night of my week. So I will tune into the Kraken. I will watch a whole Kraken game this week. Oh, you got to be excited about the fact that the Hingham boy, Matty Veneers, looks pretty damn good in his second uh, yep. second year. I mean, he's he's turning into uh, a good center, a reliable center for this Kraken team, and a guy that's going to be kind of uh, a future piece for this Seattle roster. And then Andre Burakowski uh, coming over. He's, he's finally starting to make uh, an impact for the Seattle team. Um, and he's, he's scoring some goals, both guys in the 20-point range. Alex, what do you got on the Kraken? Yeah, what I, I think just on a base level, this team's incredibly exciting to watch right now. The last four games, eight goals, four goals, five goals, nine goals. Uh, they're giving up goals, too, but they're scoring. And, and this is a team you look around the lineup, and there's a lot of guys you know, obviously. This is what happens with the expansion draft. It's a lot of second, third liners that you get. Um, but they're producing right now, and... I think a bigger point that I kind of am intrigued by about this, because we saw this with Vegas too, with the expansion draft and how powerful that can be. Like, look at Vegas, they're one of, like, their contender so soon after because of how they parlayed all those pieces. Um, the Kraken are doing the same thing for now. Who It doesn't seem sustainable. It doesn't seem sustainable. But you got to, like, look at these depth pieces coming up and scoring on the power play, right? Seemingly. You have Jaden Schwartz on the top power play. Burkowski. These are power play two guys who, given the opportunity, are putting up points. you got to look at other teams. Like, in the Leafs, I think everyone already identifies this problem. But there's other teams like this, too, where they stack those top lines aggressively. And they let the second and third line tail off because of that. Just seeing the Kraken do this after the Knights doing this not change your opinion a little bit. Like, I would think there might be a reaction to this where it's like, Maybe we invest in two to three of those top guys and spread it out. The, the one thing I just want to jump in to differentiate the Kraken from the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights, in their first year, they went to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Um, and there were changes to the rules around the expansion draft mm-hmm. between the two expansion drafts. Yep. And also, it was the first expansion draft in how long? Since the, like, 90s? Yeah, yeah. I think so. 
Um, or since Nashville in 99. When did Atlanta come in? Yeah, Nashville came in. Um, Atlanta was a, Atlanta was a moving franchise. It was, it yeah. was moving, yeah. But my point is, I think it's different because the Kraken obviously sucked in blue last year, obviously. Yep. Um, and so, like, the what what Vegas did was kind of a moment in time. It was a singular moment in time where they kind of pulled the fleece over the rest of the league and they caught a lot of teams that weren't as prepared as they were. Um, and I think the league had very favorable rules about how they built their roster and how they were able to build a competitor so quickly, which I think was good for the league, but it was also kind of an albatross moment where it kind of caught everybody with their pants down. With Seattle, it's a little bit different. I think they're growing into themselves. Uh, Ron Francis built a younger team, um, a deeper team, and I think we're seeing some good growth, but you know, in uh, what do they say? The horse hasn't left the barn yet, in my opinion. So, I mean, I, I think it's good, and, and uh, they're a team to root for. And hey, they've earned they've earned they've earned one night of my week or one late night of my week. So I will I will be watching cracking game very soon. Two losses in November. Yeah. Oh, it's funny enough. Quickly before we we turn the page, you look at this defensive core. They don't have a single guy under six feet. Huge, huge defensive line, defensive core. You know I like that. <laughs> you know I like that. Armbrong's beefing up in his trunks. <laughs> well, and these are like uh, Adam Larson is your classic. Let's play some defense. Yep. <laughs> Jamie Alexiak's your classic. I'm just big, Alexiak. and that's why I'm in the league. He's a big. And so is Susie. Susie's the same deal. It's just they got they got a lot of these. I don't know. They got a lot. Susie of and Alexiak are pre-lockout defensemen for sure. Then twenty-six-year-old Vince Dunn, a little talent on the on the blue line with Dunn. He's Vince Dunn's a guy. You know, I was always high on him. Um, I was always high on him, but as he kind of moved to the Kraken, and, and as he so he kind of moved around in St. Louis through injuries and different opportunities, and he had a chance to play a bigger role. And I think he was a, kind of exposed from when I was watching him earlier in his career. Uh, when he was, you know, into that top four kind of role as a number three or a number four defenseman, it seemed like he was best fit to be that five, right, on the third pairing and uh, playing PP two minutes. Um, but he's a talented player, sharp guy, growing into himself, and I'm definitely rooting for him. I've always been big on the player, but uh, he was a guy that I thought looked really sharp, and then I kind of saw him a little over his skis. Um, and now he's in a spot in Seattle where he's getting a chance to, to really explore his, uh, explore his ceiling and, and develop and grow, and that's what they need. So all important things and uh, all things to keep an eye on. Definitely a more impressive uh, start to this season versus last year for the Seattle Kraken. The Crack Attack, uh, got to love the name. Love also, the, I mean, also Vince Dunn is definitely under six feet. He's six, six feet. Six feet. <laughs> according to, according I was going to say, you, you know, I need to get my license photo taken uh, in that roster pick because I'll be 6'2 at that point. But anyway, <laughs> I, I digress. Sorry, Jack, please. No, it, I, I like it. I, I get it. Um, as everyone knows, TNT bought the rights for the Wednesday night games last season. Uh, yesterday, they actually had, uh, even though some of the matchups would be a little questionable, at least the Blackhawks, but um, in an exciting thriller that would end up going to the shootout, between the Buffalo Sabres and the Detroit Red Wings were, was the first game for the TNT matchup slate. Uh, it was a fun, exciting one. Alex, I know that's your Red Wings team, so give me a quick few minutes, but I think we're going to spend a little bit longer on the Sabres tonight. Do you want me to start on the Wings? Yeah, let's get the quick Wings out of the way. All right, well, let's start on the Wings. I think these are both interesting teams. Obviously, Buffalo has not had... I don't know exactly what Buffalo is expecting, but they had a rough start to the year. Uh, but they look good. But I'll start on the Wings here. 
a team that is overperforming their expectations. I think they did not expect to be in a playoff position at this point. Tyler Bertuzzi goes down again today on the IR again with another hand injury. Not good for them. Um, <laughs> what happened to his hand? He blocked the shot. Grabbed another puck. Um, which is just not what you want to see for a team that needs, like seemingly, is, oh, like they need a little more juice, and he was going to be that. Um, isn't there? I, I just think they're an interesting team because there is a lot of young talent. Obviously, you have the big names: Mo Sider, Larkin, Lucas Raymond, um, Jonathan Berggren is is coming up, one of the top young Swedish prospects, mm-hmm. starting to get some second power play time in, in, in playing well. I don't know what I'm interested to see what you guys think. I think this is a fringe playoff team, and if they make it, they're going to be. They have size, so I think they could they'd be a pain to play against. I just like they have a big third line. Um, oh, but is, they, it the big, is it the biggest third line to ever suit? Biggest up? line of all time. You yeah. haven't mentioned that, so no, I haven't mentioned <laughs> it at all. No, but uh, I don't know. I, this is an interesting team to me. They seem to be playing a lot better. Than their talent at the moment. What kind of goaltending are they getting out of Huso? And Huso has started Huso off the year great, but he's yeah. he's shown to be shaky. He got pulled. Reality. He got pulled in this Buffalo game. Um, Nedeljkovic is. It, it it just seems like guys who can give you a thirty save shutout, but can also the floodgates can open, and that's what you're seeing with this team. It's a lot more. Last year it happened more regularly, and you kind of expected it. This year, there's more of a system in place. They play better hockey, but they still have that liability of like all of a sudden it's like six, seven goals on the board. Um, Buffalo's done it twice to them this year, so I don't know. Interesting team. I I, I I think as a hockey fan, people are watching this team not only because Eisenman. There's a lot of hype around them, but also they're trying to establish themselves on the scene. Uh, without a question, uh, the Detroit Red Wings building uh, an exciting franchise. Ross, quick, quick minute, quick thought on uh, on the Red Wings. Yeah, just with you know with Detroit, you know, Alex said they're exceeding expectations. Not my expectations. I don't think this podcast expectations. We talked, uh, you know, in our previews about expecting this to be a team that's competing for a wild card. I think that's where they're trending towards. So I'm not surprised um, from watching a couple of their games. You know, they, they, they've got speed. They have good kind of team puck movement. Um, you know, the goaltending's kind of hit or miss, but I like how they have two guys that are kind of one and one A where, you know, they can kind of ride the hot hand, and then when things are a disaster, it's no egos, and you go to the next guy. And um, I think there's kind of a good stopgap there in that. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I just say I, I'm not surprised, and I think that they're they're, they're kind of trending where we, where, where, where we expect them to be in a, in a positive light. So that's, that's a compliment from them. Trusty Rusty over here. <laughs> He's liking the new nickname. Uh, no, it, it's it's been an interesting start, a fun start from Detroit. Can they make it last the full 82? We'll have to find out. That's that's going to be kind of the big question this team's going to have to answer if they do want to be that French wild card, if they can last the full season, stay healthy. Bertuzzi always seemingly to be on the IR. Not going to lie. Well, he, yeah, he's been a little injury prone. Uh, but he's got to get his games played stats up. Yeah, yeah. I do have I do have one last thing to say on this Wings team, and I think it's a cool style for the rebuild, and I appreciate how Stevie Wise done this. Uh, he's put in a ton of players on this lineup who are proving it right now, and he's putting in a position two goalies who signed up two three year deals, low AAV, prove it. You want to be the number one? You're going to compete head to head here. Kubalik, a guy like that, brought in. Let's see what you can do. Oli Mata, a guy. We know, we know, and I'm not gonna let Oli Mata is a great example. Another guy like that. It's like come in, like he signed Sharat and Cop to big contracts, but like other than that, it's a lot of guys. Like come on in, 
show you want a spot on this team because we're not set. Nobody's set on this team. It's just, just one item to kind of piggyback on that. I think building competition into your organization, so huge, especially for a team that's building like the Wings are. And then the other point um, I had, oh, Rusty, don't forget the point before you say it. Oh, no, no well, we're talking about the TNT slate. And I caught Eiserman on the intermission doing mm-hmm. with the TNT guys. And I loved it. So you know, Biz starts busting his chops about, you know, you know the kids are called the Eiserman plan and yada, yada, yada. And Eiserman's like, you know, uh, I, I don't really pay attention to what people call it, but you know, it really comes down to just trying to get good players. And it's not more complicated than that. And I just, I love the simplicity of that. Like, they've got some good players. They've been drafting good players. And uh, I think it's just... Keep it simple, stupid, and I think that that's what uh, that's what's been developing there. I think they've got some good players. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's kind of what we got on the Red Wings tonight. The team that is actually able to win this one in the shootout with an impressive move from Jack Quinn, falling his legs before he's able to tuck it home for the the shootout winner, the Buffalo Sabers. And yes, I know who uh, Ross wants to dive deep into immediately. We'll get there first. Who shined in this game with two goals? Dylan Cousins, a guy who's come also finding his way in this league and, and looks to be um, a player for the future. But, Ross, I know you're eager to talk about him. I'll let you introduce him. Who you, uh, who, who you, who you think is uh, lighting up the show for Buffalo? Well, I don't want to ignore Cousins because he brings a lot of speed through the neutral zone. He plays on both of the special teams, which I don't know if, the, if our listeners have caught. You know, that, that, to me, is a hugely valuable um, characteristic of a player. You know, can you kill penalties and play power play? Are you that capable? There's not a lot of guys that can do it. Cousins, obviously, very high pick, a lot of promise. You know, Team Canada captain, all those things. Um, he he's showing some promise, so I don't want to ignore Cousins. But this Tage Thompson man, I wrote him off as a little bit of a stiff, um, as a little bit of a you know pile of talent that can't produce, and he's proven to be a little bit of a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Um, what is he? Twenty five now. Yep. And this guy is six foot seven. They say he looks gigantic. He looks enormous. At least that. <laughs> and he, his skating ability, his ridiculous toe drag, which I've never seen a player in the NHL pull a toe drag more consistently uh, than this guy. He toe drags somebody at some point on the ice on almost every shift. It is fascinating to watch and. I encourage everybody to do it. But a couple of shifts I watched of, of Tage Thompson since the last time we, we, we podcast that floored me, literally knocked me out of my chair. And, you know, maybe I was the hour of the evening and whatever concoction I you know, poisoned my body with. But this guy, one sequence I want to point out, he's killing penalties. Again, another guy that plays both special teams and does it extremely well. By the way, he scored something like 38 goals and was in the neighborhood of 70 or 80 points last year. So he's hardly new to the league in, in being a star player, but he's really emerging to that next level. He's killing a penalty uh, situation. He blocks a shot off the shin pads. Puck goes down. He chases it down. Toe drags the defender. Gets a shot on net. Maybe goes over the net or whatever. On the PK, he loops behind the net. The other team regroups. They start to rush up. He literally closes the gap on those guys. Poke checks the puck away from the um, opposing power play player, takes it back in on another rush, gets another chance, and then goes off for a change. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm texting about, like, again, I didn't live, like, the 80s and 90s as much as, you know, I act like I did or, you know, my YouTube reliving did. Like, I'm not overstating it. Like, that's Mario Lemieux shit. It just is. 
There's not been a player that big and that skilled that's closed gaps and shown skill and done that kind of stuff that I've seen um, in the last, you know, I've been watching hockey pretty seriously for almost 20 years. I have not seen a guy that big, that fast, that skilled that does things like that, that closes gaps like that uh, across all 200 feet. So I'm really impressed with Tage Thompson. Uh, I know the numbers are kind of building and the numbers have developed themselves, but just on the eye test, I'm absolutely floored by him. It's It's been a year that uh, I think Buffalo fans have been waiting for. Uh, you know, like you said, 25 years old already, leading uh, leading this team without a doubt. I think he's like fourth in the league with uh, with goals scored. Alex, what do you got on Tage Thompson? Well, Tage Thompson, I, I, I'm, I'm glad, Ross, you brought up like a couple shifts because there, there are shifts where he looks like by far the best player on the ice. And to use a little like football terminology, it looks like the ice is tilted when he gets going sometimes. And it goes both ways. It just goes whichever way he's skating. He's incredible. I mean, like for a guy that big, he'll pull a move where like the puck kind of seems away from him. And then he splits the defenders and he's there with the puck and, and he's ripping it. So it's just, uh, when, when you're 6'7", you can move that way. You have that type of hands. It's it's like a like you built in a lab almost. The other team I'll say about like the, I don't know uh, you can get back into Tage Thompson here, but I'm looking at the ice time on this team. You got Tage Thompson 18 minutes, Rasmus Dahlin having a fantastic year 26 minutes, and then Owen Power is getting a ton of minutes with like 24 minutes a game right now. If you're talking about building a team with four giants that move like they're six feet. Like, what? Like, you just build around that. Sizes. Talk about t- sizes, but, like, talk about, like, you're talking about two left-handed defensemen who are going to go out there. One shift, you're playing Darlene. The next shift, you're f- facing Owen Power. And Owen Power's still got to make that jump. He's not, he's not there yet or even close to it, but, like, we expect him to. And then Tage Thompson just goes to come bully you. It's a scary, it's a scary core of, like, three players. Power looks a little shy to me. Kind he of does. watching him play, right? He's a little timid for a six-six number one-one overall pick, um, with all that talent and all that skill. So it'll be interesting. But kind of like Darlene. Darlene looked like that when he first came. So, so to wrap the point on power, which is there's so much more developed there. There's so much time. You got to have patience, and he he looks fine. Like he's operating fine. But the shyness has, has does kind of come through when you watch him. Darlene. Now what Darlene does, I, I liken this, and you guys might chuckle, but like he almost plays like beer league defense when there's <laughs> a when there's like a fast break play coming in on net, in that he doesn't over defend and sprawl out and try to block every shot and deny every chance. He kind of lets the offense play their pace, and then he plays the puck when they mishandle it and quick up the other way. Yep. And and um, you know, that's the kind of next gen step for him. Where you're dictating the pace of play, um, you're turning you're turning defense into offense, um, and you're doing it on your on your you know on your clock. So he's been really impressive, and uh, we'll see how things go. But you know Buffalo's looking fine on hockey. I'm not talking football, <laughs> um, but Buffalo's looking fine on the hockey on the hockey rink, and um, yeah. They've got a lot of youth that's developing, but I'm still not taking them very seriously. Just, just imagine well, the graphic. All the big they're not there yet, but you can look at this team. You can see what the core they're building. You can be like, oh, my God, in three years, these guys have their feet under them. Oh, it's going to be a scary, scary team. Uh, and you're finally seeing the, the, you know, it wasn't consecutive, but the, the first-round picks, the first overalls of the blue line, and 
in Dalian, and, and I do think you're going to see Power get more comfortable. I agree with you, he has been shy. Um, 10 assists to start the year, no goals, but, uh, but I think he's a plus-minus of 8, so he's playing effective minutes, and he's playing uh, uh, a style that's helping this Buffalo team, and I think is going to be a, a corner cornerstone for this franchise for years to come. But this we'll, could be a budding playoff rivalry to Detroit and Buffalo. Yeah, it'd be a fun Atlantic, one. Getting out of the Atlantic, right? Again, we're going two, three years down the road now, but yeah, those are teams that are kind of building at the same rate. Darlene and Power against well, Cider and Edmonton. They're a good rebuild comparison, right? Yep. It's, it'll be good to gauge them against each other the same way that you gauge yep. draft picks from the same draft class. Their whole kind of organizational rebuild, I'd call it the same rebuild class. So that could become a, a good rivalry there, not too far, you know, Detroit and Buffalo. That's, that's a good point. I, I, I'm just happy to finally see Buffalo's got something that, that is starting to make sense. When you saw them trade Jack Eichel, it felt like, all right, you know, what the hell are we doing here? And you're finally starting to see um, this stuff pay off, and it's exciting. And Alex Tuck deserves a lot of credit. I love Alex Tuck. We're about at our limit here for Sabres, but, I mean, Alex Tuck, it's, it's, it's Tuck. Thompson and Skinner on the line, and we joked about Skinner in our preview, and I know he's been up and down, and he's been all over the place at times, but uh, really skilled finisher, Tuck pretty well-rounded kind of winger, and Thompson is emerging as a superstar, and that's becoming a pretty formidable line. So Something you don't actually tend to see too often from Jeff Skinner. I think he got thrown into one of the benches, got back on the ice, and led, uh, led the play and assisted a, a beautiful goal for this Buffalo team against Detroit. Um, but don't quote me on that exactly. The Buffalo Sabres, it's been in uh, it's you know, yes, the record's not there, but like we said, this is a team that's building. This is going to be a team that is going to be around for, for the long haul, and they can work uh, work the cap when these guys are due their money. It, it's, it should be interesting to see what Buffalo does, but first, these guys need to prove they're worth the money. Moving on to the, the night cap, the game that started actually closer to 9 than 8.30 in Central Time in Chicago. Edmonton, Connor, McJesus, McDavid versus Patty Kane and the Chicago Blackhawks. A high-scoring affair, nine goals. Um, and and you saw, I mean, I, just to jump into it, it's the first thing that pops up to my mind is, is Connor McDavid's goal where he just completely weaved through the zone, created the space. It became a two-on-one. He had a player on his left, puts it low between his blocker and his glove. Easy shot, effortless Dude just moves, and it was just a pretty goal from from the best player on earth. You know, I was talking to someone about it today. Actually, your cousin, funny enough, uh, he called me, and uh, I was like, you know, I I truly think I know it's a debatable and highly debatable thought, but I think he's got the quickest first step in all sports, and I know it's hard to de- to debate uh, because obviously they're on the ice versus anyone who's running on on a floor or uh, a field, but I, I just. The dude is, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's effortless. He's just going on his first drive. We're going to start comparing NFL kickers to your fucking no, soccer I'm, players in the World Cup. Are we crossing sports now? That's not, I'm not, I, I'm just telling you. I, I think you We're going to compare Radko Gudash to, you know, Jadavion Clowney now? Is that, is that what we're doing? I'd love to see that Oklahoma. <laughs> like I said, controversial take, but I, I truly do think. Um, this man is is a freak of nature. It's unbelievable what he's. He's the fastest do. skater in the history. He plays hockey at a fat, the fastest pace that we've ever seen. Yep. Is that enough? enough? Can that be enough? Sure. I'll Can take that it. Be I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. All right. What do you got on uh, on Edmonton and, and the Oilers? So a couple game notes from from watching this one uh, on the Wednesday night. You know, first of all, I call them Tyson scary. 
uh, in our preview. And that's the nickname um, from our, our preview for some listeners that are maybe coming on for Tyson Barry. Um, you know, great skater, knows an offensive defenseman, and oftentimes a liability in his defense. He had a tremendous defensive game on uh, on Wednesday night. And, you know, Edzo was all over it, and Jonesy and the broadcast did a good job of giving him his kudos. But he really stood out making a lot of important plays. And I want to just give him his due, because we were pretty rough on him out of the gates. Having said that, Edmonton's not a good hockey club. And they really miss Evander Kane. Um, but they're just, they're not a well-rounded team. They're not a structured team. They're running and gutting all the time. You saw them blow this lead, turn what should have been a walk-away laugher into a nail-biter late where they could have come away with no points. Um, I just think, you know, Edmonton is in a really tricky spot. I'm, I'm, I'm worried now about where this season's going to go for them because they're so reliant on that top line. And they had Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Hyman. And it felt like, I know it feels like they play more than they do when you look at the stats and the time on ice. The time on ice is crazy. But when you watch it, it feels like they're on the, game, on the ice for half the game because they have the puck all the time. Again, which is a credit to the two of the best players in the world. But And Hyman is unbelievable on his own right. But my, my point is, Edmonton's sloppy, and I'm starting to lose faith in my uh, Edmonton playoff lock. I, I, I'm, I'm nervous about where that team's trending. Um, and they you know, obviously had the skill. They ended up running it out. And I'm maybe a little bitter about a, a player prop I might have had on Leon Dreisaitl scoring the hat trick when he had a backhander late that he just put off the side of the net. <laughs> um, but um, I, I'm a little down on Edmonton. I don't think that they're they're not showing the kind of growth and their roster seems to be in a bit of a funk where it's just, it's all offense all the time and they're not getting the goaltending. They don't have the defensive structure. They suck in their own zone. They're sloppy in the neutral zone and they give up these rushes and these rush chances when they have leads, when that's time to kind of start to lock it down and win games. And they don't strike me as winning time, as a winning time team, even though they have winning time players. So it's going to be kind of a constant battle, but I'm starting to see them as more of a kind of wild card contender than one of those locks in the Pacific. Oh, you've got a good point there. You know, I think it's you look at the the two stars of this team, and yeah, obviously best best player in the league and one of the best scorers in the league, uh, no question about it. But the depth is a huge question mark, and you know, I know you've got someone like Ryan Nugent Hopkins on that second line. Funny enough, watched him take two penalties in a matter of. Uh, I think he got out of the ice, out of the box, and ten seconds later, heading straight back. One of the worst, one of the worst games I've ever seen by a guy that scored a goal in the game. Yeah. So he got fed one, and he put it top shelf, and he scored early. Then he goes on to he takes an offensive zone trip. He comes out of the box and stick. takes comes out of the box and takes uh, high stick. No, no, no. That was his third penalty. He, he takes an offensive zone. He takes a, he had eight pins. He had yeah. eight pins. Uh, offensive zone trip comes out of the box, takes a high like high slot slashing. So he takes four yeah, pins yeah, yeah. back to back without getting back to his own bench. Um, I don't think they gave up a goal on either of those. They might have on the well, second. Well, the offensive zone trip was a second into their power play. Exa- no, they ruined their power play. He takes the best power play in the league off the ice. They're one of the best. Exactly. Thank you, Armour. And then later in the game, takes one of the most blatant high sticks. You rarely see a high stick cause a scrum. This one caused a scrum because it looked intentional. Like it wasn't, but like he just put his blade right into whoever it was his face. Four minutes right there for, for drawing blood. So there's eight penalty minutes, probably in a game where he had zero hits. Um, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I just, 
I, I hate that guy. <laughs> it's frustrating. Alex, what do you think on, uh, on Edmonton? Well, first off, I get the hate on Eugene Hopkins. I thought he looked pretty good for the rest of the game. I mean, and, and this is not to say, like, for the pedigree he should be at. He's just still a good player. Um, and he's not a guy they need. He's a guy they should get rid of and try to add in some different types of players because there's no need for that type of player on that team. The depth is, is bad. It's really like it's not a question mark. It's just bad. Um, and we know it's bad. The goaltending's awful. Jack Campbell doesn't look good. I forget the name of the backup. Skinner. Skinner, Skinner was awful. Those goals were just not good goals. They just two, weren't like good. Two bad goals. Um, whatever you I think it was four on like 20 each. And they weren't good shots. goals. They weren't. They, there was like one or two that's like, okay, it's not your fault. But like other than that, it was like, these are just not goals that you can win with. But they're also giving up these kind of rush chances where they're getting like kind of clean shots on net because it's a rush play because they're fucking Somewhat, but some were just like kind of crappy, like tossing on nets that went through. Like it wasn't, it was a horrible performance. Two really good And they points. won the game. And like we're shitting on they won the game. Well, they won the game. Two points, uh, like I got to bring up. First on McDavid, we all know how great he is. I thought his, maybe not complete defensive game, but his ability to get back on a two-on-one. The two-on-ones are not two-on-ones when McDavid's on the ice because he'll come from his offensive blue line and he's back before you cross your, like, he's just there. You he's don't get mission. away. He's on a mission. You don't get away and he hustles. He skates nonstop on the shift. The difference between the strides between Drysaddle and McDavid on the ice was shocking. Drysaddle would like mosey around. McDavid's like circled the ice like four times. Um, I think he had nine shots on goal. It wasn't surprising. He was everywhere. And he's in a much more of a shoot first mode this year, McDavid. Good. He like, should be. And maybe not shoot first, but shoot more. Shoot right? more. No, he's he, he he seems very direct. Yeah. And I think one thing that we were talking about is while watching this, like and I know everyone appreciates the skill, but everyone talks about the speed. When McDavid slows down at 35, I think we're going to realize how much skill he has because he's going to change his game and he's still going to be one of the best players. He'll probably be one of the best players till he's 40 because he has top like three skill in the league. You just see the speed and you can't even comprehend how good that skill is because it's so fast. The one thing, like, it feels like McDavid's completely taken ownership of the Oilers' outcomes. And that's obviously great to see. There's not much more development that he could possibly get to. He's at just about the ceiling of where anybody could ever possibly get to. I don't know how much better he could possibly get. But he's carrying a bad team right now. I think on a, I think on a more complete team, he could put up 150 points. That guy's already got, he 40, might put up he's already points got 41 team. through 23 games. Yeah, so no, he's, it's just, he's, I think absolutely. the team's bad, and he's so good. It's just it's crazy. And he's so good at everything. It's not He doesn't epitomize the Oilers. And I think some people think, oh, he's just running gun. No, he has a complete game. I think Drysaddle epitomizes the Oilers more. I was watching this game. Drysaddle would take one stride of shift, yeah. and he'd glide to the rest of it. And it's like, yeah, he's incredibly skilled. Uh, somebody told me this, and I appreciate it a bit more. He kind of plays like a soccer player, which makes sense as a German. <laughs> so now that we're crossing sports, you keep but he observes. He observes the game, and then he strikes. I just don't think that's what that team needs. If they need. They could trade him for like oh, like two lines. <laughs> They'd so be better off. Armor started the sports crossing sauces thing, and you know I shout on you earlier, Jack. So feel free to just load up on me here. But I was texting with a buddy about Tri Saddle too because we were betting on his hat trick. And, and he made the comparison to James Harden in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not an NBA guy, but I get I know enough to get that comparison. And you know what? Like that's pretty fair. Like honestly, from what I've seen, albeit the guy's a game where he played on one leg in the playoffs, he's tough as nails. Like I am not calling him soft, weak, selfish, or a jerk. But he, he plays the game in a very, very sort of point production focused. 
um, kind of sense. And I don't know. I, the more I watch this team and where it's gone and come from, like this is a completely different opinion than I had from watching the playoffs last year. From what I've seen in the last few weeks, early this year, I'm thinking more and more and more and more. They gotta move Leo. They have to. And honestly, right. I think there was a very good comparison for how he plays. And it's embarrassing that he played that way in his stature. He, pl- I think he plays, and it's not disrespectful because this is a great player I'm going to compare him to, a Hall of Famer, first ballot. He plays like Patrick Kane, and it's, he's 6'3". It's, it, he plays a style that it, when it's convenient for him, it's convenient, and he's going to score, and he's always going to have his goal numbers. But uh, I, I do agree with you. I think being able to capitalize on the value he would be able to bring to this team, given the fact that they really don't have a third and fourth line, um, it would be huge, but uh, I think it'd be semi interesting just because we saw him playing tonight or last night together. Um, how kind of McDavid would be affected by it? I don't think it'd be a huge, uh, you know, a huge drop off or any serious difference in what he's doing. But uh, I do think he would feel that, uh, he, you know, right now he probably feels that he and uh, and Drysaddle are the only guys that can score on this team with Hyman on on the every other night. And uh, you lose that, and you add a little depth. I, I'd be interested to see what that kind of changes uh, McDavid's game. But I, I don't know. I agree with you. I do think you got to move on from Leon. I think you need to add more pieces to this team uh, before we get too far into it. Uh, I'm gonna steal your point. Actually, I think he looked really good. Big size on the blue line. Darnell Nurse. I thought he looked really good last night. You're gonna, you're at look at. He's gonna go against us, but we were both because wa- we were both watching this. He looked fantastic to us. Like Three block shots, amazing. five hits. He was. Uh, but you could just the amount of plays he was in, yeah. making plays, yeah. breaking things up. It's just hard disagree. I just a hard disagree. I don't think he has the skill to justify his contract. I don't think he has the defensive zone awareness and dominance to like back end justify his contract. Um, I, I, I'm not a nurse guy and uh, I, I watch him and it's not like that was like a particularly brutal game where I was like oh nurse sucks from this game but you watch it more and more and more and uh, every time I watch them I'm just like nurse is not the guy and they can't like it's not like Leo sucks Leo's the man I think Leo's sick I think he's probably third or fourth best player in the league but the more I watch Edmonton I say they need to move they need to move nurse and they need to move Leo for depth because they lack depth and they lack a Batman. And, and then the nurse thing, when you bring in the contract, it's a completely different story. Well, that's, that's just, what we're you talking need, about. You need to constantly evaluate NHL of course. players against their contracts. Of course. Because it's a hard cap league. It's the only hard cap league I know of. No, it's, it's you're right. It's just he looked good. He looked very good. I thought his contract was ridiculous and he's not worth that money. No, and that's that's why we had kind of a spotlight on him as, as Alex said it when we got into the seats is, you know, for what this guy is getting paid, let's see what he's able to do. I, I I do think I was generally impressed by what he's able to do. He's a guy who's not afraid to get in front of the shots. He's able to lay the body. He's a big body. And he, he had, I think, five or six shots on goal. So we can talk about their opponent. We talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. Yes, and, and I, I'm glad so, you moved into the Blackhawks. And the reason I want to do this is because I think Nurse is pretty much like Seth Jones. He looked substantial. Seth Jones looked mind. like shit last night. That's the first thing I want to say. I thought he looked so bad. I mean, he got pushed in his own net, and uh, uh, it was thankfully a goalie interference. But I think you got to be able to hold your feet on that. It was soft. It was. It was a little soft. Yeah, Seth Jones. I, I, in my opinion, it was a tough night. It was a tough night for both of them. Um, but I think they're 
not that different than players. Jones is a little longer, a little bit maybe faster, better of a skater. Nurse a little bit stockier, a little bit tougher, a little bit meaner. But uh, I think they kind of round out to be about the same player, and I think it's a bad contract for Jones. And Nurse is making like one, two, five more than. So I just think those two guys. I, I just I don't. You know, I think they're both. Again, we're knocking really good NHL players, mm-hmm. but they're being forced into these roles as going back to the Batman Robin thing, right? They're being forced into these roles as like the franchise guy, the defenseman, and neither one can really carry the mail, in my opinion. And it's a it's a huge blocker for. The Blackhawks are a shit show, and I'll, we'll get into them. But with uh, with with Edmonton, it's like they're a team that's supposed to be ready to win now. They're just in the Western Conference Final, and I'm, I'm seeing a little. I'm seeing some good progress with this Bouchard. I'm seeing some other things that come along. But there's a huge hole up front. Um, they're so top heavy there, and then on D, it's just like you've got a couple of pieces, but the money distribution's a mess. It's a mm-hmm. shit show. It's horrible, yeah. and it's gonna come back to bite them. I mean, it, it could be another. Uh, uh, without the success of, of kind of what you saw in the downfall of what happened in Chicago, and um, it's a it's a tough league with a tough cap, and these guys, they, they you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, you know, I think the big question before we wrap up on Edmonton, I, I I don't know what McDavid's deal is right now, but do you really think he explores free agency? Do you think he's a, an Oilers? Stop, stop. No, he's he's, he's locked up for like forever. So. No, but I, I understand that. But, you know, I think this is a guy like... We yeah, yeah, about. Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Let's talk about a 2033 topic. Well, I'm just curious. I think the fact is, you know, he's going to... Yeah, no, we'll have a loyal listener base for the next 10 years, <laughs> and we'll debate a topic that will get talked about in 10 years. All right. All right. I'm vetoing. <laughs> I, 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 I do think uh, you start asking uh, if he wants to find... Uh, his career piece somewhere else. No, because he's going to be the GM. He's going to be the GM, and in, in, like, like it's going to turn into this kind of LeBronized thing where it's like he's in the room with management, in the front office, and they're all working together to figure things out. And that's where he needs to be like, I think we should move from Leo. I think we should move from. But Bruce. he won't do that. He won't. But they'll make the decisions, and he'll have to live with it. And that's how it's going to go. He's not going anywhere in Edmonton. He's going to be there till I'm um, probably till I'm dead. <laughs> Moving on to the Chicago Blackhawks, obviously a very disappointing uh, roster. <laughs> There's nothing uh, too shiny about it, you know. In, in a year where Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are in contract years, and, and their future looks as uncertain as it ever has in their 16 years as um, donning the, uh, the Blackhawks uh, jersey, it's it's depressing. First off, I was in, in the building for the host of retirement. I know we talked about it last week. Uh, but it, I, I can't get over the fact that I just saw basically my childhood and, and the team that uh, I would die for um, in in the rear view. And the fact is the the, the brightness and the, the spots that uh, that made this team so attractive for so long are gone. Um, and it's it's going to be a long rebuild. Uh, that being said, you, you did see a two-goal night from Max Domi, probably our, our favorite guy in this room. Just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's... The Chicago Blackhawks, you said it first, you know, Seth Jones, finally healthy, did recover pretty quickly from a, a, a semi-serious thumb injury um, that kept him out for a little while, but, uh, you know, he is uh, a guy that, you know, as you brought him up earlier, when you you brought in, you traded for Seth Jones, you gave him the money, if he came in and was effective and was a guy that he was similar to early in his time in Columbus, this team maybe is in a different headspace, I don't think so. But the fact is, it, it will still, it's mind-boggling to me that they gave this guy uh, eight years, $9 million. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's a it's a tough night to be a cellar dweller team on a podcast that I'm commenting on while I watch the shit bad Patriots get stuffed um, on home on their home field by their daddies in the division now, and I'm I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm livid. I'm taking out the Blackhawks. It's a terrible roster. It's a terrible team. Loser Max Domi scored a couple of quote unquote get the team back in the game goals. <laughs> it was a joke. You always knew they were going to blow it. Domi always scores that second goal in a five to one game to make it five to two. He's a loser. He skates himself out of position all the time. I can't stand him. The roster sucks and blows. Their structure is a disaster. Luke Richardson, right? I've talked about how I'm a big pre-lockout defenseman guy, and nobody embodies that quite like Luke Richardson. But I'll tell you what, if this team doesn't play more like a hockey team, he's going to have the shortest executive career since that Pope who got poisoned. I mean, he, 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 that whole thing is a fucking mess. And watching them play was like, it, it was a comedy of errors the whole night. Because you saw Edmonton run out and score their goals on horrible Chicago mistakes. And then you saw Edmonton expose themselves, give Chicago a chance to score a couple of weak goals. And it's just like it was it was a lot of suck. Like 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 to the you know to the untrained eye, it was a competitive game and it was interesting to watch, but there was just it was so sloppy, such bad structure. You know Luke Richardson's trying to coach this team, but I'm telling you what. You know, there's a saying, it's mostly in football, but it's about you know, bad teams and players quitting on the teams and how things go. It's like, you don't quit on the team when you're professional because nobody, nobody wants to put bad play on tape, right? You put bad play on tape, and now that's what everybody's evaluating for for your next contracts and all these things, right? Luke Richardson is putting bad play on tape right now for the rest of his coaching career, and I think he's going to get fired. I think he's going to be an assistant for a long time before he gets another shot at the at head coach. That's just what I think. It has nothing to do with him being a good guy or a bad guy. It's just he's coaching a dog shit roster, and they're clearly not listening to him or able to or able to process the coaching because it's just not working. It's it's funny enough. I think it was the first night all season long you saw Kane and Taze on the on the same line. Um, didn't really bring any production as I don't think they had any points. Um, if they did, it was a power play, uh, power play assist. But uh, the fact is, I think Luke Richardson was brought in as a guy that can kind of bite the bullet for these first three years of this rebuild, and then maybe when they get a little bit closer, they'll bring in someone that's a little bit more serious. But you never saw, and you never expected this team to go make a big coaching uh, hire in this offseason, and I didn't expect them to. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, nobody expected it to be good. But I'm just saying, it's worth it's. It's it's so bad right now that it's 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 a pockmark. Not to poke fun of Luke Richardson's face, which is getting some damage from his playing style in the years of the league, which I swear to God, I'm not trying to be a dick to Luke Richardson. I really like him. But um, it's a pockmark on his resume. It, I, I get it. I understand it. They Looking to be. When you bring in Peter Morazic to be your starter, you know, you know things are going to be bad. Truthfully, just as the Chicago guy in the room, exactly what I expected. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. This is exactly what I expected. I thought the start that this team came out to, and they, they came out and, and jumped out to a five five hundred record. Uh, that shocked me because I just didn't see that happening. And, and funny enough, they were kind of playing for them early in, in the season. But you're seeing that uh, now that that losing stench has uh, has really taken over in this locker room. Now losing eight in a row, I believe, if not nine. Um, that that just is one off. Alex, quick thoughts on the Chicago Blackhawks before we move on. 
Yeah, I was surprised at how bad they were. Because um, <laughs> I knew they weren't a good team. It was just, it was shocking to see Edmonton's like second and third line control the game. And it was not in a good way. Like it was still ugly hockey because we talked about Edmonton's second and third line. They're awful. Uh, the Hawks had no space. There was never like any sense of like we can hold the puck, we can create offense, we can cycle the puck. There was nothing. There was nothing going on. It didn't seem like people were hustling. Like I know they are. It's not like a, a hate on their effort. It's more just like there was never any grind. There was nothing going right for that team. And no the, structure and like no structure and they're they should have lost by four. rushes to the team that you can't give up on and rushes to and you have McDavid fly in the zone playing Jack Johnson one on one. It's like man. I'm like, poor Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson looked it's, like one of the best players. He probably looked like the best player on the Hawks last night. He's definitely the best defenseman. And he, he looked, like, he looked like a peewee against McDavid out there. And the and other, I don't blame him. I'm not knocking him for it. The other thing I'll say is, like, looking at this Hawks team, you talk about, like, a future. Like, we talk about Buffalo, I don't think is a good team. They have they have a core, right? They have, like, a, a direction to build around. There's what nothing. is there on the Hawks? There's nothing. And there's two things, really, in my mind. Like, two, yeah, two things. One, what can you get at the deadline? You got Kane, you got Taze, you're dumping house. I think their their trade value is going down because they can't do anything. I I think no. So quickly, Taze jumped out to the heart, hottest start of his uh, for a season for his career. Um, I did I did think that helped his value. If Taze wants to go to the deadline, he's to me the most probably the most valuable piece of the league. He's he's actually been the most outspoken about it in the media. He's he has been pretty frank about the fact that he wants to move on and and he it's understands time. the dumpster fire that's that's in it's Chicago. Time. He's he's got the brains. And, and unfortunately, it's time. Like I said, that's why the host tonight was as depressing as it was. Um, Bring tapes to Boston. But, God, I could not. I could not. We're not going there. I don't know. Charlie I think, Coyle on the fourth one. I think uh, Patrick Kane's value, it, it's not going it, to... He's playing to the point production of what is built around him. And the fact is he was playing with uh, Art, um, Anthony Ciu and Max Domi to start this season. Uh, Anthony Ciu is going to get his points, but get benched in the third. Looked terrible. Pretty, Pretty standard, typical, as I saw him score two. No, Tennessee is exactly where he belongs in this Blackhawks. Yeah, this is the, he'll be on the Blackhawks, the next Blackhawks, and the next Blackhawks. He signed up. Not like not like saying the Blackhawks, but right, the, right, the right, next right. team that is in Blackhawks space, Athens, he will right. be there. Yeah. When the Capitals start to rebuild, he'll be a Capital. And, and they'll trade him to some team. Brood, he'll, be a, he'll probably be a Bruin in three years. Like, <laughs> I, I swear to you. It, it is funny. I mean, they, he was in Detroit when they were shit. He's now in Chicago. He was great. To, well, we didn't know. We didn't know yet because we were shit. So we, we thought that we thought we had something. He's got like the Midas touch. You know, he's got like, great hands. He's got great hands. No, but no, I say Midas touch. The Midas touch is everything you touch turns to gold. It's not like everything he touches turns to shit. It's that everything that turns to shit touches him. <laughs> but that's kind of how he fits. Like he's just not a winning. It's player. enough on Atlanta. What else we got? So the, the I think we've wasted thing, enough time. The last thing I'll say, I think. I think you're getting a first round pick in a star, not a star, but an NHL ready player for Patrick Kane. That's what I think his value is. I'm hoping to see it go to New York. I'm hoping to see a Kaku back uh, back in our direction. But he's got to start scoring a few more goals, and he, you know his assist numbers are there. But the goal scoring has not been from 88. That's the Chicago Blackhawks. They don't deserve any more of our time. The fact is, they're probably the worst team in this league. The draft lottery will be the most Dude, Bedard, interesting game Bedard of the year. Bedard is their future. Or Fratelli. Yeah. In reality, Get this guy in Michigan pick. looks freaking nasty. So Get a top two that'll pick. be an argument for when the draft rolls around. It should be an exciting one. I'm excited for those days. But the fact is, we're introducing Slot Shot's newest segment, The Woodshed. <laughs> if uh, if uh, 
for the listeners that are new to the show and uh, didn't catch our first episode, we, we spent a little time on the New Jersey Devils, and uh, um, that happened to be with uh, the forward in uh, the name of Miles Wood, a guy who uh, Alex likes to describe him as a termite. Uh, but uh, he's a scrappy guy who, you know, he gets his points, but he also throws the body around and plays a little bit of a pesky role. But Ross, I'm, I know you're eager to get into the, the woodshed. Well, by the nature of our general taste in hockey, you know, especially the arm dog and I, we, we ended up going on this Miles Wood tangent in our preview. And it's come to kind of define the podcast, and it's really kind of circled on our text threads and everything back and forth. And, I couldn't be more thrilled to to introduce our listeners to the woodshed, which is going to be a weekly. It's going to be a weekly segment. Um, we're going to focus on a Wood update, but really a segment on Wood and Wood type players who we've deemed the term termites. So we're looking for termites across the league, folks that you know play the game the way that Wood plays. Now, in our preview, I believe I referred to Wood as a pinball. Right? He just kind of bounces off of everything. He runs around and he missed tonight's game. And he's dealing deal with a daily injury because of his playing style. He just He's hard-charging, good skater, physical guy, never shies away from contact, uh, physical around the net, can score 15 goals a year, but not 30. Uh, so you know, he's that grinder, third-line glue guy that we think will one day be a key contributor to the Stanley Cup team. And I called him, I called him a pinball in our first episode. And I told our listeners I would I would watch more Devils games because they had earned it and they had, and I tuned into the Devils and I, I we, we we talked a little bit about um, we talked a little bit about uh, being a broadcast tourist and listening to different teams uh, listening to different teams broadcast to learn the league and go mm-hmm. around. I'm watching the Devils broadcast, and you talk about a pre lockout defenseman. Nobody better than Ken Dano Danico. <laughs> as a pre-lockout defenseman who currently does color for the Jersey broadcast. Ken Danico described Miles Wood's play as a kamikaze chaos. And I think there's no better two words and no better face of the Miles Wood and the termite movement than Ken Danico to label it kamikaze chaos. So that's what the woodshed's all about. Um, really thrilled about this segment. I got, I got a few points here on the Devils themselves. But I want to pass over to the Arm Dogs. I know you've been, you've been, you've been, you know, dealing with some dealing with some flaky wood over there around the, around the cottage, and uh, I think you might have found a little bit of a termite on your own. Well, I found a termite, but first, this little intro to uh, the woodshed. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Ross, but after I so I sub. These guys have a uh, men's league team, a little beer league team, and I subbed in the first time. And this is second time I met Ross. Uh, and after the game, we're having a couple beers, and Ross goes with a little player comp for me. And I got a little Miles Wood. And uh, this may have been my introduction to, like, I knew the name, but introduction to what Miles Wood truly meant. And the more I learned about Miles Wood, it, it really truly epitomized my game. You know, I'll go out there, I'll skate around. I'll do my best, but realistically, the finishing is just not there most of the time. Occasionally, it can come. That's what you get with a Miles Wood. Hey, all uh, guts, no glory, <laughs> old-time hockey, Miles Wood in the woodshed. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's been my game all time. JV hockey, you know, I was out there flying. Most of my goals were like a rebound off my own shot, off some <laughs> crappy goalie. Like, this is this is what we're talking about with the woodshed, right? Like, somebody, you might see the potential, but realistically, if you watch them enough, 
you know they're just a wood. So before we get to your termite of the week, right, and yes. the latest nominee, and, and this growing, this growing, I need to get to my, my Wikipedia. Sorry, the growing colony uh, that we're building of termites. Thank you, nice. uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> but um, you know, when we talk about Mileswood, Mileswood type players, we talk about termites. We're talking about and going back to these epic, to these epic Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champions. Talking about Blake Coleman's, talking about Yanni Gord's, we're talking about uh, Barclay Goodrow's, right? That third line they created and identified, and then have since kind of supplanted, and they found ways to kind of shift it around. Like that's kind of the core of this Miles Wood and the woodshed culture, and really what we're looking for in termites. And just from an identity perspective, there's a modern example. Um, we can go back through the annals of history and give all kinds of historical examples, which we'll do on a week-to-week basis. But um, sorry, Ron Dog, I'm, I'm, I'm really o- o- over talking here. But let's uh, let's get back to our term right of the week and uh, who's who's in the spotlight for the woodshed this week. Well, I'm honored because I haven't even run this one by you guys, so this is a uh, a lot of trust. Yeah, this trust is a, this is that's trust. A little pressure. Yeah, a little We're in the trust tree. The that's... first member of the colony, but with Miles Wood is the queen termite. <laughs> that's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> everyone else is equals. So. <laughs> All right. Just know Miles Wood is, is the, the queen. Everyone else just piles in. Yeah. But I'm going to start with one in a player I really had no knowledge of. And it had to be a player I've watched a lot. And like, I, So he's a Wings player. I've got a guess here. And he's, he's a big-time termite. I actually had a big game, you know, because he's, he's out there grinding, digging. Can I, before you yeah, say you his can guess. name, before you say his name, can I guess his name? Yeah, there were two options, but one had to be it. So, yeah, go ahead, guess. I'm not all that confident because ultimately when I think of Red Wings, I think about termites, I think about Justin Applicator. Yeah, he could, he's a he's a great ter- a he's an all time term. But I'm thinking Adam Ernie. Adam Ernie's a good call. But that's not who you're going. It's with. not who it is. Who are you going with? Adam I, Ernie's actually. Who are you going with? Who I got one question. Oscar Sundquist. There we go. Uh, it is Oscar Sundquist. Sundy, because <laughs> he was on that Blues team that won the cup. Yes, I remember. And you got thrown out of a couple games that run. Yeah, the only the, first off, we talked about. It. I know Ross loves a power play penalty guy. Oscar Sundquist fits in that category. As the net front and uh, just a penalty kill guy, and he's kind of got a slow burn kamikaze because he's not fast at all. But he's he's six five, he's big, he's kind of got messed up teeth, um, and he's willing to do everything. He runs to the corners, he hits people, he's in front slashing, and like when a pass goes behind him, he just kind of flails backwards with his stick because he's not fast enough to turn around and get it. So like, he just kind of does everything to get in the way, and that's really his game. But it's nonstop. It's nonstop. He's just always in the places with the most people, grinding. Um, and he'll put in a couple goals just because he's there, you know? Just because he's there, like, running into people. I'm just I'm getting so jazzed up about the woodshed and about termite culture. And you're talking about Sonquist, who's from Sweden. And I don't want to shoot our load on the first woodshed segment. But he's got a little bit more size, a little bit more skill, different kind of era. But as a fellow Swede, he learned from his fellow termite Swede a Patrick Hornquist. Mm. That's a termite. The Swedes are low-key big-time termites. No, the Swedes are not in general. I think the Finns, there's a lot of Finnish yep. termites yeah. there. Yeah. But the Swedes, you know, see they kind of doubt. But, uh, all right. Uh, anyway. I like it. I like it. All right. All right. First, first pick for the... 
Oscar Sundquist, welcome to the colony. He's yeah. kind of a big termite, but he kind of looks like one. Big, I don't know what a big, termite. Big, big, swollen old termite. Yeah, he's kind of a swollen termite. Fed he's up, moved he's that fed up on rotten wood. He's he's picking up his weight for the for the colony. He's picking up his weight for the woodshed. Yeah, our our knows a thing or two about termites swollen up on his rotten wood. <laughs> Sundquist is welcome any day. Oscar Sundquist. <laughs> The first termite for the first uh, <laughs> first week of the woodshed, our new reoccurring segment uh, here on Slotshot Podcast, a hockey podcast. I'm excited to continue along the woodshed journey. We're going to build a graph. We're going to have a campaign that gets Miles Wood on this podcast. We've got to work our way there. We're going to build a column. We're going to build a column. Also, for the listeners. Power have, numbers. For the listeners, if you have termites, we need to know. If we need to know because we'll go in and watch. We'll go to a termite analysis. We'll get in the tunnels. I don't know what they're called where they go <laughs> we'll around. See in the hive. <laughs> in the wood hive. In the I guess in the woodshed is where they live. Um, and we need to, we need to hear about these guys because sometimes they don't get the most press. Well, what's important to know about a termite colony is that they have distinct casts. All right, so there are different grades of termites. So once we start to build the colony, oh. we'll start to find our classify casts. exactly. We'll start having our different tiers, right? So I'm not sure that Sunquist is really on the Hornquist level. No, they're different but, termites. But we'll work through it. We'll work through it, and it'll be an evolving segment. So there's uh, there's your first woodshed segment, Zipper. You got anything to add to it? No, oh, I like it. I think that's a strong start. I also do like the Hornquist. Uh, I think he is a perfect example of another termite. So woodshed, woodshed merch and woodshed uh, woodshed um, sponsors. Ongoing. It's I think, work, I work think we need a termite. So. We need an exterminator business to sponsor this one. Let's stand by. It might be an exterminator business. It might be a, a, a shed building company. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of options. We're open to everything. So uh, you, Jack will do our little plug on the social media. So slide into the DMs and uh, we'll we'll take them on a first come first serve basis. I like it. I like it. That is the woodshed. Our new reoccurring segment. Moving on. Moving on. Quick. Quick. Applaud to Steven Stankos as he was able to register his 1,000th point. We're not a milestone podcast. We're getting it over with quick. They're early into the year. So we just wanted to give a quick nod to Steven Stankos. Before we move on, can I jump in? Yeah, of course. We did the Bergeron thing, and it's Bergeron, St. Patrice. But I said I'm not a milestone guy. We are not going to be a milestone podcast, okay? This is like our, our fourth episode. We've already got 2,000-point milestones. We're not going to talk about every 800-point, every 900-point, every 1,000-point. He's a great player. He's still young. Like, Stamkos has another seven, eight years in the league. So he's going to have many more milestones, and we're not going to waste your time talking about it every week. Nope. So Jack wanted to talk about it, but I thought it was a good example to point out that we are not those guys. So I'm not going to let you, but, you know, it, it's just a quick, quick applaud to Steven Stamkos. No, good for Stamkos. I love Stamkos. He's a great player, and he's hella accomplished. He's number one overall pick. He's done it all. Yep. If you if he if he got hit by a bus tomorrow, he'd be a Hall of Famer. So you know, I'm not. I'm <laughs> but he, I I do think he deserves a bit more credit than he's gotten. And I know he's highly rated. I think people underestimate how good he's been. So shout out to him. I agree with the non milestone, but what a career so far. I love watching him. And a guy who I don't know. I, I a couple years ago I might have predicted maybe a John Tavares type drop off hasn't come. No, he's he's led Tampa to a pretty historic run. I'm just crabby and muggy because I'm watching the Patriots get a massive on national team. Uh, unfortunately, just to give uh, the listeners, I know we're a hockey podcast, 24 to 10 here with a minute and 52. They, the, they, this means nothing. I just just had, to, just had to roast. You didn't. You didn't. That's not even a roast. Everybody's I'm just gonna saying. Know. Everybody's going to know by the time this comes out. Context. 
context. There's yeah. no context. There's no context. So moving on. It's Friday. To, moving on. To, yesterday's news. To the uh, coaching carousel. Fire up Ross a little bit. Um, in a uh, an off season that saw two ten new head coaches around the league. Unfortunately, uh, your boy from uh, Boston, Bruce Cassidy, looking like the best hire right now in Vegas as he's gotten that Vegas Golden Knights team off to a really hot start. Well, Jack, can I interrupt you for a second? I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to do this so abruptly. I really am. I really am. You coming for the soul? No, no, no. I love Butch. It's not about Butch. It's the topic of new coaches in new places. And it's something that kind of stood out to me. I listened to our previews, and I kind of have been living some of these takes. Made that slap bet with armor about the Blues and the freaking uh, uh, Winnipeg Jets. Tigers. And, you know, I, I just realized we, we really, I think we overlooked the significance of a lot of coaching changes. And um, and I just wanted to course correct here because coaching changes in hockey specifically can mean so much. Like mm-hmm. The average shelf life for an NHL coach that's very successful is like three, four, five years. Like there are like the longest tenured coach, John Cooper, right? He's won two cups. He's been to three. He's probably going to be there for 10, 12. And he's a unique guy. But in general, like there are no more Scotty Bowman's. There are no more, you know, Harry Sindens. There are no more of these long tenured, like, like legacy coaches, like college football in the old days. Like it's, it's a chop shop and the team tunes the guy out and it's becoming more and more of a player's league. And it's just, it's just kind of a one guy in, the next guy out kind of thing. And when they make these changes, it mixes up the whole chemistry of everything. Even if the overall system doesn't change that much, the way the players work and play together changes a lot. And I overlooked the hell out of that. Rick Bonus is a new coach in Winnipeg. I'm now very concerned about my pick. I still think the roster has its holes. Um, but I, I wanted to make that big, that, that big kind of call out for us. Because we look at these 10 new hires, and I think that we overlooked a lot of things, right? I was all geared up about Peter DeBoer in Dallas. I think that's huge and significant. But I breeze right past, you know, a bonus in Winnipeg. Um, so, you know, I, I think we want to spend a moment and kind of go around. What what uh, what new hires stand out to you guys? And I'm sorry, Jack, to, no, to, 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 to go crazy there, but that was really kind of the essence of the of the coaching change uh, segment. So, so I, I think you can look at it and you can say there's a lot of new faces in a lot of different places, like you said. And I, I do uh, I do appreciate that we did miss a little bit of uh, of the coaching carousel in, in our previews, and uh, you know. I, there's no question about it. What uh, what these guys have done in the new spots, it's been effective in some cases. Obviously, like we ranted about Luke Richardson, he's kind of just a face in a in a helpless role. But uh, the fact is, the biggest hire that actually did surprise me, and I, I saw him for one year when I went to the University of Denver for two years, didn't finish there, um, is Jim Montgomery. You know, I think you saw him come into the league with the Dallas Stars. It was uh, it was. An interesting role. He's just fresh off of a national championship and uh, uh, came in, had a few issues uh, on on the off ice um, problems, and and fortunately enough for him, he's been able to rebound and he's landed with a great team in Boston. I know that's your team. I just like I said, knowing him from uh, from Denver a little bit, I, I just was surprised to see him rebound a little bit quickly here than some have in uh, his case. But uh, kudos to him for getting his life together, and I, I think you got to respect what Jim Montgomery is has done to lead the Boston Bruins fresh and hot out of the gate with that strong, ageless core. Couldn't agree more. I think I think uh, Monty, Butch in Vegas, and Peter DeBoer in Dallas yeah. are kind of the three guys that are 
and you know, for all different reasons, right? Um, Butch kind of, you know, going tone deaf after five years and the players tuning in. He just out. got stole. Like it's um, Mont- Montgomery with his kind of personal issues and having to kind of rehab his image and his own personal life and get ready to be head coach again. Um, and then DeBoer, just kind of the nature of the beast and, and being chopped around. But those are three guys that landed, I think, at the right teams at the right time. I think those are three serious, legit um, leading team contenders. And then I just think we breezed right past Rick Bonus. And I, I certainly did. I overlooked it. And it's a little bit of a mea culpa for me. Uh, anyone stand out to you that we didn't mention? Well, I have two. One is kind of a meme. And I think it's just funny because it seems like he should have been coaching for this team his whole career, just his coaching style. Torts. Torts. John Tortorella coaching the Philadelphia Flyers just seems way too fitting. It's hilarious that they're bad and he's trying. Like I, I, I think he's a tough coach to be a, on a bad team with because of how he coaches. I mean, he did in Columbus for a million years. They were never. I know, but nobody ever liked him there. Like it's, It seemed like a mess because it probably was. And it's going to be a mess in Philly too because it's like – He's expecting his guys to go out, grind their ass off, and they're bad. They're just not good. Uh, it will be interesting to see how that works. Actually, it probably won't be unless they acquire some massive talent somehow. Uh, I, I've talked previously on this podcast how I really am not a believer in the Flyers. I think they're showing that. Um, Jack, grab me a high life. <laughs> that's good. We need that. Keep us going. The other one I do want to talk about, more under the radar, first-time head coach, but... And I know I'd like to bring up the wings a lot. Um, But Derek Lalonde, Eiserman goes and gets this guy. Assistant in Tampa. And you know when you're hiring from your old house, there's a reason you're doing that. There's just been a massive change in terms of how the wings play. And it'll be interesting to see because this is... And I know, like, everyone's going to laugh at me, like, wings, wings. That's all I talk about. And that's, that's fair. It's completely fair. But I do think... It's a noticeable thing, and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where he goes. He looks good so far. The Wings are playing a better style of hockey. Um, Can I say one thing about about Alant in the Wings in yeah. kind of this period of Wings history, right? So um, Jeff Lashel, is that the name, right? Jeff yeah. Lashel. So he was a coach. He was a coach that preceded um, that preceded Lalonde in Detroit. They promoted him from their AHL Grand Rapids, where he coached a lot of their prospects, yep. and they basically brought him in knowing it was the end of the. Datsuk Zetterberg, Ken Holland, and 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 Ken Holland was the guy that put him in that position, mm-hmm. and so he was hired with no expectations, yep. and he was supposed to be a good guy that kind of helped them build things and, and move things along, and it just didn't move, really didn't progress like it needed to, and they stuck with him for a while, and he ate a lot of shit in that role, yep. and you know, God bless him, I think that they, you know, he, he did as well as he could have, um, but they got to a point now where now they're. Now Lalonde is stepping in where he's expected to really carry the torch, really take the baton and move it. Um, and it'll be really interesting because he's got real expectations. Um, not necessarily expectations. this year, but if they're not in the playoffs next year, if they don't make the playoffs this year or next year, he's probably gone. I think he's got three years. We're talking about uh, Derek Lalonde. It really, like if it, it, if everything's there and they're a point shy and it's a rip off of whatever, like it's going to take that kind of a thing for him to get a third year. I think. I think he can miss the playoffs. He can he, he can miss the playoffs this year. I think that in organization was the expectation. Hundred percent. They don't have to make the playoffs this year. Next year they probably have to. And but if that, they make it this year, they can get away with missing it next year. Maybe depending on the roster. 
I think I, I, the next year team should be better. So I think uh, he's got pressure though. He's brought in to win. He's brought in to win on a rebuilding team. It was it was you're right. It's the transition. Like we're real now. I brought you in. It, it's no more rebuild. Yeah, I. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jack. Eisman took a, a page out of uh, Lou Lamarillo's book, and and it's funny enough, uh, his terms, his contract terms, are not public. Lalonde? Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's a big deal. Terms are. Eisman, Eisman, I, I am certain, especially with the fact like we talk, they're not playing their best roster. Simon Edvinson's in the in the AHL right now. He would make this team better tomorrow. Uh, he would have made it better from the start of the year. But it's Eisman not about winning this it's year. It's the Eiserman. It's the Eiser plan. But he brought in his guy. This is his guy. Yeah. He's going to let him get every shot he can get. But he's, he does have to win. He's Funny enough, he was uh, hired in Tampa the, the year Eisman uh, resigned in 2018. He was an assistant under John Cooper. you got to love the coaching tree there if you want to go into kind of the other sports and all their coaching trees. But we'll see. It is, it'll be interesting to see how quick that leash is. Given the fact that this team's already overachieving, you got to love what he's doing. you got to think Detroit faithful are happy so far. Um, but like you said, it is a, uh, a what-have-you-done-for-me type business. And, and I do agree with Ross's timeline. I think realistically three years is about what an NHL coach is going to get. And he's lucky to get that third year. If you're, if you're truly awful for two years... You're gone. You're but gone. But they're not. So I, I, I kind of went to the new hires in like different kind of tiers of tranches, mm-hmm. right? So you, I, we mentioned the guys that are right place, right time, good track record, looks successful. And obviously it's easy to say that now when you've got the Bruins and the Knights after the starts of yep. the round two. But Butch, Monty, and DeBoer, okay? Um, then you've got kind of that next tier, which I think Milan fits into, and I think Paul Maurice fits into in Florida. Yep. Where he's a coach with a strong track record, um, for those who don't know, right, Paul Maurice uh, had a great playing career. He had to quit early. I think he took like a stick to the eye or something. He had to quit early. He started coaching at a really, really, really young age. He's one of the youngest head coaches in NHL history. Um, so he's not that old of a guy, but he's been coaching for like 15 years. I think he's like 40. He's been coaching for yeah, he's like 45. He's been coaching for 15 years in the NHL. Um, he's a unique and interesting fellow, and he's dealing with a Florida team that is – supposed to be contending for a cup. And I think really the ball's in the GM's court. We talked about that. But I put him and Milan in the same kind of category where it's like, you know, they need to find a way to make things work. Then there's the next category, which I call kind of the sitting duck category, which is um, Luke Richardson and uh, and the, the Boston boy, uh, David Quinn, Quinny uh, in San Jose, where those guys were literally hired to eat shit. And... Yep to be coaches of bad teams because they wanted to get back to the NHL and they wanted to, I mean, NHL coaching salaries, maybe two and a half million bucks at the worst. I'll take the money and run, right? Uh, But I think uh, most likely, most likely those guys' next jobs are going to be as an assistant in the NHL Mm -hmm. or as a head in a less than the NHL. And then there's Torts in his own fucking parallel He's in his own category. It's like he's coaching a terrible team. He's a really esteemed coach. He's a total hard ass. They don't need to make the playoffs this year. They just need to play hard and block a lot of shots. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Like, is he going to run all their talented players out of town? Who knows? Like, I, Could I be jump-starting a tank. Maybe they want Bedard, so they're like, let's kill all these players. Maybe that's the plan. Like, maybe <laughs> that's what they're trying to do. I don't know, but I, I, you know, I don't think Torts has ever really fallen on his face quite like that. But I don't think he's ever been in a position like this where he's coming in to a team that really sucks and blows like this. 
um, at this point in his career where he's, you know, he's, he's a guy that's supposed to be joining a win-now team. So I think this might be towards his last head coaching job. Yeah. He'll get it over the But he had a quick stint at ESPN? Yeah. I think, or TNT, one of the, one of the media stations. Months. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't long. Uh, you know, John Turner, always an interesting uh, character. I, I actually, funny story, at a hockey camp, his brother fell asleep in one of his uh, seminars and got a nice chewing out from, I can't remember the brother's name, but I, I got ripped into uh, by the Tortorella family a little bit, so it was a little bit funny. But moving on, moving on. Um, what do you? Whatever, doesn't matter. And <laughs> so... Uh, moving on to my awful, from my awful storytelling to a fun, uh, interesting topic that Ross brought to the table tonight, the state of fighting in the NHL. And, uh, Ross, I know you've got, a, uh, an example from, uh, I think last night or two nights ago that you want to kind of quickly re rehash, but, uh, it, obviously this league has changed for the skill base, the speed base. They're trying to eliminate fighting. I think we can all agree with that. Um, you're seeing it kind of come back this year in the last few years um, a little bit more but it felt for like a long time that the NHL really didn't want to see too much more fighting you know you know 75% of the uh, the fan base and guys that attend games that are specifically in Chicago uh, because they suck they're there to watch fights they're there to, to see uh, guys chuck fists uh, on ice it's, it's an entertaining thought and an entertaining idea and it, it is fun to watch and, and it is an exciting uh it's exciting to see when guys stand up for your guys after a big hit or um, try and set the tone in some cases. And that's kind of what you see set fighting used for. But, uh, Ross, I know you've got a, an example you want to get into. I just hope some pissed off, overly served fan in Foxborough throws a fucking beer on the whole set here on the AWS Prime. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sick to my stomach. Uh, I, I love this topic. Uh, I'm so fired up right now. I'm just, I've got a lot of poison in me right now. I'm just... I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking maybe we punt this topic to a future pod. Is, is where Ross. Scott's at. Well, what do you think, Armand? What do you think, Seth? I no. I think we're a little long on time. I've got a lot of rage. I'm looking at Carissa Thompson. It's turning you know rage and other things together. It's just it's not a healthy mix. Of I, I think the Fitzpatrick jersey really got it. <laughs> really set the tone for you for the sake of uh, keeping Ross nice and calm and uh, uh, not throwing fists. I guess we will. Punt. I just I don't want to I don't want to break our no C words and no R words and I think I'm gonna break both if we get into fighting and hockey right now. <laughs> we'll table it for next week, but it is uh, the state of fighting. So we we'll look forward to it. It will be uh, it's a teaser. That's a big league teaser. Little preview season, for so. next week's episode right there on the state of fighting uh, will be a topic we revisit. Um, though, that moves us on to our last topic of the night. Something I'm actually a little excited about because I finally uh, was able to tie Alex for first place. I know it's early. Two and one records for Alex and I. Unfortunately, Ross took a little bit of a stumble. No um, reason to hit the bottle tonight. In, in the wrong direction, but it's still close and it's a tight race, and he's at one and two. So moving on to Saturday's picks brought to you by Star Six Media. We appreciate the platform. It's a big check the game notes, bud, for me. For me. <laughs> After going on a rant about uh, who plays on back to backs and then picking Vegas, who's coming off a of back to back, like just. Just, uh, I'm pathetic. But anyway, <laughs> let's get to our Saturday thing. Is that worse, or is the fact that St. Louis blew a... No, no, no. Speaking of back-to-back, St. Louis, on a back-to-back, erased a three-goal deficit in the third period to beat the Florida Panthers on the road. What a horrible way to take my first loss of the season. Panthers up 4-1 against the team on the back-to-back. Get outshot like 20-2 to in the third in their home rink. What is that? 
Fuck her up, buddy. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm gonna lick the hand before. Yeah, I it stung. Face. It stung even more than it was St. Louis too. It was just all over like that. <laughs> hey, so, St. Louis found their their uh, their groove in the month of November, and they're finally climbing the ranks of the Central Division. Uh, but no, I. It, Funny enough, the, Ross actually had this idea, and it will be something we post on the Star Six Media Instagram pages from here on out. Is the Saturday picks parlay, and I will have that posted to you guys ideally by uh, tomorrow, if not Saturday morning. But the parlay picks will be a thing. We are not responsible for any losses um, on the. the we are not financial advisors. <laughs> exactly. Take uh, take these picks at your own will. Throw it in a parlay, hammer on the money line if you feel like one of us might have hit the head on, on a matchup. But Saturday's picks will be turning into a little parlay action on the Sat- the Star 6 Media Instagram page. So let's jump right into it. We're going to start from, unfortunately, the bottom of the standings. Ross, let me hear your pick this week. The 6 o'clock start. What did Steve Eisman say about building a team? You pick good players. Keep it simple, stupid. So I've checked the schedule now for Friday, and there's just three matchups. Saturday. Nope, I checked Friday. Oh, yeah. To see Friday. who's coming off back-to-backs, Jack. Thank you. And I look at Saturday, and I see a classic non-matinee, which you want to avoid matinees. They're fluky. They're hard to predict. You never know who's going to show up. Um, a non-matinee classic good team versus bad team game. I've got the New Jersey Devils defeating the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, that's my pick. Good team, bad team. Don't overthink it. Sticking with the woodshed. Go Devs, go. Uh, the game is gonna be at the Rock. Oh no, it's at the Wells Fargo Center in Philly. <laughs> so my Devs on the road. Hostile <laughs> environment. Uh, I'm going. I'm going Devils. Go Devs, go. Miles Woods goes for the game winner. Oh, it's the Miles Wood podcast brought to you by Star Six Media Slot Shot. I like to pick New Jersey over Philly. Alex, I'm going to go, is what I've decided. And I'm going to pick the 9 o'clock, the late night game in Calgary. Calgary versus the Washington Capitals. OV in the building. But I'm going to pick Jacob Marstrom and, uh, and the Calgary Flames to take this one over the Washington Capitals. 9 o'clock start in Calgary, like I said. Alex, finish us off. Who you got? Yeah, I got a fun one. I'm actually excited for this game. Uh, we got Maple Leafs visiting the Tampa Bay Lightning, two of the top teams. Be interesting. Ballsy! And I'm taking the Road Warriors. Toronto Maple Leafs Ooh, going to Tampa. The out, cup pick. Outgun them. Outgun them. Cajones. Oh, it's going to be high scoring. Tampa, Tampa. See, I'm a coward. I'm a coward. I'm just trying to pick good team, bad team. You're going good team, good well, team. You're somebody going needs Leafs. To, somebody, Leafs. Somebody Leafs. Leafs over bolts. Yeah, somebody needs to add juice to the parlay, man. That will happen. It's the moneymaker. That's a little <laughs> plus one into the parlay, especially in Tampa. I like... Uh, it's for you listeners. I like the ballsiness of Alex. You know, yes, he's he's playing with house money and the fact that he's 2-1. and one, but It doesn't matter. He's picking up a great matchup. Definitely probably, the, I would say, the best game of that Saturday slate, but... Um, I do think Colorado does have a fun one as well. It's Boston, yeah. Uh, so those are probably the two best games of the league. Colorado Boston is going to be a good one to watch. Bruins have a uh, league league record for consecutive home wins. They have not lost at home yet this year. I think it's seventeen games, fourteen games, fourteen. Coming, I think ridiculous. And they've got the defending Stanley Cup champs coming in the house. So um, that's going to be a big one on Saturday night. Uh, obviously. it's I mean, there's a lot of college football going on too, but uh, another one to check out. So, 
Book it. Thanks for tuning in, team. Book it. That's the, the Saturday Picks Parlay. It's going to be the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs beating the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the New Jersey Devils knocking off the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Calgary Flames defeating at home, the Cal- uh, winning at home versus the Washington Capitals. Boys, another great episode, our fourth in the books. Quickly, we got to give the shout-outs to Star 6 Media. Go check out all the podcasts, EAFP, as Ross called it, EAF, soccer podcast. But there's a P, it's there's EAFP. A P. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of letters. But I think there's a name change coming. We'll see. We'll have to see. Uh, go check out Big League Chicago, JCA Sports, Sports Trip, um, and 3 Up, 3 Down, and Only Football. Thank you for tuning in, boys. It's always a pleasure. Another fun episode in the books. I'll talk to you guys soon. I'm excited to see where the Saturday picks leads. And I think I'm going to take the parlay, even though Toronto. Toronto that's, well, that's that's right. I'm stopping the parlay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go on the Leafs. I'm going to go on the Leafs. I'm going to. I'm going to chuck. I'm going to chuck twenty on the parlay every Saturday. Let her ride. Let her ride. Let her ride. Everyone have a fantastic night. You will be able to listen to this one on Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube tomorrow. For that being said. We out.